0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another mini-episode of Who You Got. My name is Dayton Hamann. Who You Got is a show about creating brackets for things that don't normally have brackets. Now, you may be asking, what is a bracket exactly? Well, a bracket, or tournament bracket, is a tree diagram representing a series of games played in a knockout tournament. Each episode, we create a bracket for a specific topic and determine the best of that topic through a series of debate matchups. In these special mini-episodes, special rules apply. First of all, it's just little old me here. While there is no guest, I will still be talking through these matchups in a thorough and even-handed manner. Then, unlike a full episode of Who Ya Got, we will only be debating four items here. That means two semi-final matchups, and then a final face-off to take the ground. Lastly, there are no strict time limits on each round. But thankfully, we have the man himself, Graham Zima, over here on the knobs to call me out just in case I start stalling out of sheer indecisiveness. As the 2010s draw to a close, we will be doing a little mini-episode, multi-episode retrospective on Who you Got. It's a series that I like to call Dayton's Favorite Things of the Decade. With each mini-episode, we will be discussing a category of things that I quote-unquote got into, in the 2010s, or a category of things that I feel thrived over the past 10 years. Then we will discuss my four favorite things of that category and pick the best. At the end of the day, you'll be able to look at these four winning items and see how I characterize the pop culture of the 2010s. It should be a fun, and maybe even a little nostalgic, little ride for us. The second topic in this series is Indie Video Games. If the 2010s were the decade of anything, it was the decade of interactive media from the people. The generation of folks who grew up with great games are now out in the world, set out to make their own great games, and in some cases, the greatest games. And they aren't often supported by Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, or any other major publisher or studio. It's just them, and maybe a few friends wanting to produce a unique experience. So, we're going to talk Dayton's favorite indie video games of the 2010s. We have 2011's The Binding of Isaac, entering the dungeon with 2011's Minecraft. Then we have 2016's Stardew Valley, rising up against 2015's Undertale. The winner will be granted the title of The Indefeated, presented without comment. So. In the first semi-final match, we have The Binding of Isaac versus Minecraft, a deeply horrific game against a universal cultural juggernaut, this ought to be interesting. So let's get into it. Interestingly enough, The Binding of Isaac was the first indie game that I really started to cherish like it was one of my classic favorite games. The game's playful perversion of Christian theology and iconography was deeply fascinating to me as someone who grew up in the church. I didn't know that others really saw the darkness and the light that I saw in that type of faith and that type of belief. Much less did I think video game artists would be willing to play sort of Puppet Master with it to such great effect. But you may be asking, Dayton, th- this isn't The Binding of Isaac just a roguelike bullet hell cartoon horror game? What's all this with all the religious themes? Well, the game rides a really intense edge between resentment and reverence of Christianity, and I admire that kind of open, honest, brutal Brutal truth. Above all, that's what this game offers to me, and that's what really keeps me going back to it. That sort of bold artistic statement. And trust me, this game offers a lot more beyond that, too. It's one of those games where you can just play it pretty much perpetually. Whether you lose or succeed, you die or survive, you want to start another round right away. The game is also unabashedly weird, as you can imagine, with all the sort of religious theming going on in the back. You play as a young, abused child who shoots projectile tears as a defense mechanism that is beyond strange and arguably demented. The creature and level designs, same sort of thing, they're simple, but they are morbid and really sometimes quite appalling as you fight them. This game should be, in theory, on paper, impossible to swallow, but because of its intriguing symbolism and airtight gameplay, it really rules. It even broke Nintendo away from their policy of avoiding religious themes in their games, and it saw a full, a few full console releases. It's really exciting. But then there's Minecraft. Let's be clear. Minecraft is absolutely an oversaturated worldwide phenomenon, for sure. But it is also one of the greatest games of all time. It, believe it or not, it can be both, and I firmly believe these. Minecraft is the game we have always wanted, whether we know it or not. It speaks to creatives, explorers, survivors. There's nothing that will nail the sense of scale that Minecraft did even in the early days of the game. Minecraft is a once in a lifetime experience and I wish I was exaggerating, but I'm just trying to grasp and put this game into words. Minecraft has given me one of the best single player experiences I've ever had. I still have a save file on my computer where I built this fortress on top of a a steep mountain peak. This was in survival mode, so I had to mine all the materials for this fortress. By traveling into enormous cave systems, over oceans, into jungles, and off to other dimensions even, Minecraft really makes you work for your satisfaction, but it makes the work along the way deeply, deeply fascinating. It's not always enjoyable, mind you, but it's always fascinating. While you may not be necessarily enjoying toiling in the mines or running away from little creepy monsters, whatever, you're always eager to see what is around the corner, because it could be anything the way this world is generated. Minecraft has also given me one of the best multiplayer experiences I've ever had. In my first few years of college, my friends and I would gather in a single dorm room and play on our crappy little laptops. It was one of the few games we could all run on our discount or hand-me-down computers. Working together is never as fun as it is in Minecraft. You gather your crew, enter a treacherous area fully equipped by things that you guys made together, and you work to navigate, harvest, and discover. Even creative mode can be really bonkers fun with uh, several companions. I play it on Nintendo Switch with my fiancé, and within seconds of booting up the game, we're already building a giant glass castle or something. It's a unique magic that Minecraft offers. It's one of the most expansive games I've ever played, with such few weak points. You know, typically when something has this sense of scale, you start to see hairline cracks and things, but no, it's, it's really all there. And I think it's because, at the heart, you have such a simple and flexible concept. A successful moment of Minecraft can be anything from seeing a cool land formation to defeating a secret boss creature. It's all consistent, and it's all the joy of Minecraft. The Binding of Isaac does break down a lot of walls for the medium of video games as an art form, but I think it might be a little too niche for its own good. I mentioned that this game should be hard to swallow, and for a lot of people it is. Thankfully, it resonated with me and a lot of other people, and it sets out to do this specific thing uh, in a specific artist's specific vision, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's specific. Minecraft feels the most timeless and ubiquitous. So, to me, Minecraft digs in and wins a place in the finals here. The second semi-final match is Stardew Valley versus Undertale. I only recently started playing Stardew Valley. This is the only life simulation game I really play regularly now. I used to play Animal Crossing, but uh, th- this is the one I keep going back to. And diving into a Harvest Moon type game was a bit overwhelming at first. I was like, you mean to say that the main game mechanic is chores? And it is, but it's incredibly relaxing. I think a big part of this is that the game makes you feel in control of your life? I know that's a little sad, but it, it brings up a strong appeal of games more broadly. They're all, to some degree, some sort of power fantasy or empathy experience, and the power fantasy doesn't always have to be a violent one, as one might typically think, according to the stereotypes of video games. The power fantasy can be quaint, and Stardew Valley is, boy, is it quaint in spades and just charming to boot. I began playing Stardew Valley with some old high school friends who had moved across the country away from me. We built our farm together and helped our town, all while we were hundreds of miles away from each other. And boy, that's the magic of video games, folks, isn't it? They can connect you with others via clear goal setting. We would assign little errands to one another and catch up on life while we were doing them. There was something inherently warm and really homey about it. Like we were meeting up with each other over drinks at our favorite bar or something. That's how familiar this all feels. And you can even do that in-game too, go to a bar and have some drinks. That's the kind of game that this is, and it's really special for that. However, as I alluded to earlier, Stardew Valley is very much a spiritual successor to the farming simulator RPGs of yore. You know what feels pretty wholly original and compelling and surprising? Undertale. Whether you love it or hate it, Undertale is the first game that I can remember that really changed a lot of people's ideas, including my own, about the medium of video games. No game before Undertale that I can think of played with saving, quitting, violence, non-confrontation, choice, restarting your game, all of that as game mechanics so successfully. I don't want to spoil too much of the game here, because even though it has been out for a while, I think it's something that everyone should experience. When I say everyone, do I mean that literally? Honestly, probably. The game's really accessible, but it upends so many things that we sort of expect from video games. I want people to have that experience. Of course, if we're going to talk about the baggage here, The fandom is kind of toxic, but you you can stay off forums, right? Just sit down with this game, and you will quickly realize what this game means to this medium. And, I'll warn you right off the bat, get ready for some of the most emotionally intense final boss battles you'll ever experience. I was playing it in the middle of the night, and I started tapping on my my keyboard because everything was getting so intense, and my roommate had to wake me up and tell me to stop. (laughs) I think I need to be careful about buttering up. Undertale a little bit. So let's maybe talk about in what ways it's weak. Sometimes the humor is a little bit l- lol so random, and the gameplay gameplay can be a little bit slow, especially when the game expects you to pay, play through the entire story at least three times. But I think I can forgive that. Stardew Valley is a safe game though it is undoubtedly impressive for an indie game. Part of me thinks it was approached with more of the attitude, like, people need a good polished RPG farming sim again. Whereas Undertale was approached with more of the thought, RPGs hardly ever task you with confronting consequences of your own actions, if there are any consequences at all. So let's make a game where every conflict matters. And I think the difference of missions there is what has me leaning towards Undertale. I adore Stardew Valley, and what it does for me and my friends, what it provides, but Undertale will probably be pushing the medium forward for literal decades to come. The game isn't just good, it's deeply important. And I'm not sure Stardew Valley is deeply important, it's definitely important, especially to me and my friends, but doesn't quite have that impact that Undertale does. So, Undertale undermines Stardew Valley and emerges in the finals. So, for the title of the Indefeated, we have Minecraft versus Undertale. I'm already deeply anxious about this matchup. So, I think what makes indie games so special is that they are, they are inherently, no matter what type of genre, what type of goal, what type of mechanics you're playing with, inherently, they're huge risks of resources, reputation, personal vision, everything's on the line. I'm fully convinced by these four games, and others in the indie video game scene, that indie video games will give this medium the respect that it deserves. Minecraft and Undertale, finals here, for the title of the undefeated. They both provide, but in different ways, what I think is the most important element of video games as an art form. Agency. When you boot up Minecraft, The world is your oyster in the truest sense of the phrase. You can start out by building your own house with wood or stone. You can dig into the side of a landscape and set up base there, or you can just brave the night well-equipped with some items that you've discovered. Once you get that rhythm going and a consistent source of resources, you can discover and build pretty much anything you want. Every Minecraft playthrough is its own journey. Undertale has three different main playthroughs, so its sense of agency isn't so mind-blowing off the bat, or at least it doesn't appear so on paper, but what the game lacks in really potential choice or apparent freedom, it has in potential consequence, and so think about it in this way. Imagine hurting a character in the game that you've grown to love and being unable to reverse it, even if you start a new game. That is an incredible moment that forces you to rethink how you replay not just this game, but maybe all games with violence as a mechanic? I think both approaches and rewards of agency in this game are equally important and valuable, so perhaps it isn't the best metric for comparing these two. I think both of them do agency really well and in different ways. Maybe we can talk about the music? Well, the music in Undertale is jaunst, really jaunty, and it's instantly iconic, it's already in some of our beloved video game music collections, there's a song in Super Smash Brothers, it's already pretty celebrated. The game's crea- creator also, in addition to coding the game and everything, did these compositions, and he recently did a song for the new Pokemon games. So he's definitely being elevated. Minecraft's music is perfect. It's not much, but it's perfect for exactly what the game is. It's subtle and atmospheric, supporting the game's strengths. Okay, so not music. That's not our tipping point here. Character design, maybe? Undertale's characters? Well, you'd like I said, you'd love them or you hate them. You're either going to see them and your heart's going to melt or your brain's going to die. They're not for everybody, so kind of a wash there. And Minecraft, It does what it can with its limited aesthetic. At least the enemy mobs are iconic. Everybody sort of knows what a creeper is nowadays, but eh, not quite any strengths there either. I think character design is, is not quite our tipping point either. So let's talk about reputation. Undertale is the, capital letters, the indie game for some people. And Minecraft, well... Does it even feel like an indie game anymore? It's interesting because I bet we've... Anybody who enjoys and plays Minecraft has had to explain to folks outside the video game sphere that, yes, Minecraft was originally mostly by one guy and not a product of Microsoft. Is that sort of change of identity a killing blow for Minecraft? It's so tough to say because a huge corporate-scale success... Is that the end goal for all indie video games? I don't quite know. I think the more accessible a game becomes, the better, and hopefully the creators of Minecraft and Undertale and the other games would agree. Minecraft, being bought out by Microsoft, thankfully still feels like Minecraft today. It can be a a bit upsetting to see merchandise littering store shelves everywhere, but that's easy to ignore when you're having the marvelous experience that Minecraft provides. But something kind of tells me that Minecraft got a little bit lucky with its timing. Because the world's expectations for games has changed a bit since the beginning of the decade, I'm not sure it would succeed if it was introduced today. I'm not sure some of the trends in indie games... Today would have happened without Undertale. There are tons of games out there that have meta narratives and mishmashes of mechanics, culminating in some brilliant homebrew. That's that's exactly what my uh, what Undertale is, right? But Minecraft definitely started its own trends too. There's crafting systems in tons of open world games now. This is really really tough to say which to which of these two is my indie game of the decade. I think, against that huge stack of money that Minecraft has generated, I have to lean towards Undertale. When the next decade rolls around, I will be looking for more experiences like Undertale. Minecraft provides me with enough Minecraft. I don't think I need more of it. Undertale makes me itch for more brilliant, groundbreaking stories that I could see only told through video games. In fact, it has given me my own ideas for what I could do with the medium, where I had to learn how to code and everything. Undertale gives people license and inspiration to tell their own story. Nothing is too weird or singular or unconventional anymore thanks to the precedents that this game has set. Minecraft still sort of operates on that old plane of what we consider video games. Undertale takes a step onto some truly new ground, and I adore it for that. So, at the end of the day, the 2020s should be filled with more games like Undertale, and Minecraft will probably still be kicking around doing its own thing, but Undertale has set a new stage, not just dominated the old one like Minecraft has. So, Undertale is the indefeated, my favorite indie video game of the 2010s. Indie video games have proven to me that video games are not a waste of time. Playing a well-crafted, compelling game is just as valuable as reading a good book or watching an excellent movie. So, hopefully you are prompted to try or revisit these games and see the medium in the exciting light that I do. The 2020s are going to be a pivotal decade for the entire art form, and I will be there for every single step. (laughs) As always, thank you for joining me on this mini-episode of Who You Got, don't miss a single episode when you follow Who You Got on Instagram and Facebook. You can suggest the topics at any time for any episode. I look forward to seeing what you guys want me to see run through the gauntlet of the bracket. Then, of course, wherever you're listening, please review, like, and share. Five-star ratings are great, your thoughts and suggestions are great, and your friends and family joining the party would be the greatest. Thank you again for joining me on this mini-episode of Who You Got. We continue Dayton's Favorite Things of the Decade next week, so look forward to that. My name is Dayton Ammon, and we'll see you next time.